we have confidence in who you are. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. You are the first and the last. And with that and apart from you, there is none else. And so we acknowledge you. We thank you for another day to come before you. You said that where two or three of us are gathered together, there you are in the midst. And so we know you are here, and we thank you, and we welcome you. We bless you this morning for your word, your anointing. We thank you for the power of your presence. Thank you for healings and salvations and deliverances. We bless you because you are good. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. And so good morning. You may take your seats. You're here in the sanctuary. We want to welcome you again to this service coming to you from Lawrenceville, Georgia, World Outreach Church for All Nations. And to those of you who are joining us at home and through your various platforms and devices, we welcome you. We thank you so much for tuning in this morning and allowing us to share your space with you. And we just pray that something that God will say today will not only minister to you, but touch you and change you for good in Jesus' name. Continue to, to stay tuned in. We have services on Tuesday where we pray for the prevailing conditions in the United States and around the world. And we want to invite you to be a part of that vibrant faith and lifting prayer time in Jesus' name. And of course, on Wednesday night, we come back and... Uh, pray about the service this morning. And so at Walkfine, our vision and our mantra is building strong families and serving global communities. And so for all of you from around the world, you are welcome again this morning. So this morning, I'm going to go quickly to the message which we began a couple of weeks ago. And uh, this portion of the message is going to be titled, The Foundation of the House. The Foundation of the House. Now, so last week, Last week, we closed last week's message with Jacob's revelation of his identity. Jacob came to a place of revelation of knowing who he is. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 17, Genesis 28, 17, the Bible reads, And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? You see, your identity in Christ is the only place where these two things can happen at the same time. Where you can be afraid and at the same time feel awesome. Hallelujah. Why? Because you are in Christ. So Jacob came to this place. He said, uh, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? And then he goes on to say, this is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of of heaven. Every born again believer is a house of God. You don't have to come to church to be a house of God. You, as a house of God, bring God to the house. Amen? And so the amazing thing about this concept, this is the first time in all of Scripture where we see this term or this phrase, house of God, used. And this seed the seed of this terminology, the seed of this physiology will be watered throughout the rest of the scriptures. This is the first place it's ever mentioned, the house of God, okay? This concept of the house of God will become a major theme throughout all scriptures. For instance, in Exodus 25 verse 8, God came to Israel and said, let them build me a sanctuary or a house or a temple that I may dwell among them. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, 
I will build my church or my house or my temple and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, Paul used several metaphors to describe us. Number one, he said we are God's fellow workers. Number two, he said we are God's plant. Number three, he said we are God's building. Again, we go back to the same theme. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9. And then again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19, Paul again reminds the Corinthians that they were in fact the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm sharing this so you can see how God began from Genesis and watered this seed of the concept of the house of God and develops it throughout scripture. So it began in Genesis. Ah, and then it culminates in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 3. Would you please give that to me in the NLT? Revelation 21, verse 3 in the NLT. This concept watered through the scriptures. This is what it says. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. Hello? Did you hear that? Child of God, did you hear that? God's home, where God lives, where God dwells. By the time we get to the book of Revelation, the Bible says God's home is now among his people. It goes on to say he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Hallelujah. Now, so in the previous messages, we saw that the house of God will always be based on God's covenant. We covered that the last two weeks. We said it will always, number one, be at the presence of God. Number two, that God will always protect it. Number three, that God will always preserve his house. And then number four, that God promises to perform his word in his house. So if you are the house of God this morning, you have the assurance of God's presence. If, are, if you are the house of God this morning, meaning you are born again, then you have the assurance of God's protection. If you are the house of God this morning, you have the assurance of God's promise to preserve you. And then of course, if you are indeed the house of God, you have God's assurance that he will perform his will, his word towards you. Now, as we are about to see now in the rest of this message, there is only one caveat. So far, we've seen God's assurances and his promises to us, his house, his presence, his protection, his preservation, and his performing of his word. That is his promise. That is what he desires to do. However, there is one caveat that is absolutely critically important for me and you to realize. And so, let's go now to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, to look at the parable of the two builders. Because now this would help me and you to understand and to see this caveat that guarantees the demonstration or the receiving of the assurances that God's given us. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. 
Jesus is speaking. Therefore, now whenever you see the word therefore, that means it's referring to the preceding messages or the preceding verses, the verses that come before verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I would liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Remember, we are talking about the house, the house of God, the house, me and you being the house. Verse 25, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. Why? For it was founded on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. I just want to remind you how we got to where we are now. We started talking about navigating change. We started talking about how in this season, everything around us is changing. The way we walk, the way we play, the way we worship, the way we, uh, 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 the way we live, everything, everything around us is changing. This is the new normal. Change is all around us. So Jesus here gave a teaching from Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And as conclusion to his message, he gave this parable. Now, let's look closely. So from what we just read, number one, we see that both houses, the one that was built on the sand and the one that was built on the rock, both houses were completed. My goodness. There are many believers as houses that upon looking at them, they look complete. They look good, they dress good, they smell good, they eat well, they have great homes, they have great families, everything seems to be working. You never know what is inside of a person by what you see on the outside. That's why the Bible says, God does not judge according to appearance. It's a man looks on the outer appearance, but God looks into the heart. So we have a story of two houses. Both were completed. Number two, both of these houses were habitable. People could live in them, at least for a season. Then number three, the Bible tells us that it rained on both houses. Oh my goodness. This is important to really reflect and look at God's nature. Even though your house was built on a rock and the other was built on the sand, the Bible said both of them got rain. Why is that? Because in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, the Bible tells us that God sends rain on the just and unjust. The Bible tells us that God allows his son to rise on the good and on the evil. God is not discriminate, does not discriminate. Hallelujah. The largeness of his heart is to bless all men. The issue is, how are you building? Because in fact, it's going to send the rain. But the rain is sent as a blessing from him on both the just and the just and the unjust. Number four, the rain that God sends 
really represents the grace of God upon our lives. That rain represents the grace of God upon all of our lives. The Bible tells us in Titus chapter 2 verse 11 that the grace of God unto salvation has appeared to all men, not just a select group of people. God's grace is appeared to all men unto salvation. So everyone, no matter where you are, no matter where you are listening to me, no matter what's going on in your life or situation, you need to know that God has sent his grace towards you. So the rain that came upon these two houses represents the grace of God upon our lives because God gives grace indiscriminately. Now, number five, because it's raining on both houses and because both houses are standing and because both houses look good as completed homes, the chances are for you and I to mistaking God's providence as evidence of his approval. I'm making good money. My family's okay. I'm driving a nice car. And on and on and on. When we are looking at the providences of God's goodness towards us, we can quickly make the mistake to think, ah, things are happening for me. God must be very happy with me. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. I won't go into a lot of scriptures. I'll just give you a general idea. Israel as a nation got miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. God opened the Red Sea. He fed them with manna. What did he not do? They were thirsty. He hit the rock. Water came out. I mean, he fought their enemies for them. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And for those of you that's chasing miracles, <laughs> good as miracles are, they never authenticate God's approval for your life. Don't make that mistake. That because things are happening, that means God is pleased. Absolutely not. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 5 through 11, I will not read it, it's too, it's too much. 1 Corinthians 10, 5 through 11, that God, while he was given the miracles, was not pleased with them. But he's a good father. He's a merciful father. And so he meets needs. Hopefully, and thinking that through meeting of those needs, but adventure will repent in your heart and follow after him. Yes. Amen? Now, moving on in the, this parable of these two builders. The house on the sand couldn't withstand the storms while the, rock, the house on the rocks took family. Let me show you a picture of Hurricane Ike in 2008. Please give me the picture. In Gil of America. One hurricane, Ike, came through the U.S. in 2008. Look at that neighborhood. All the homes that looked alike where people lived in at one of a hurricane, the entire neighborhood, as you can see, I didn't make this up, this is true. 
wiped off just like that. With only one house standing. True story. Only one per adventure today with the changes that's taking place around us. Loss of income. Loss of health. Businesses not doing as well. Kids having a hard time in school. Parenting in a, do, in, a, in a new way. Relationships, husband and wives, spending too much time at home because of close proximity thanks to, to COVID-19. You are discovering who your spouse really is. And you are saying, my God, this is not what I bargained for. Holy cow, God deliver me. This hurricane of change that's taking place all around us is sent for you to know who you really are. This will reveal how you've been building. Because all of those guys who lived around this home in Gilchrist, Texas in 2008 thought they had a good home. They thought they had a house. Until Ike showed up. And in one day, boom, everything was wiped away. May that not be a portion in Jesus' name. So the house on the rock, according to Jesus' message, will stand firmly in spite of Hurricane Ike or whatever change comes into our lives. If you are built on the right foundation, it will stand. Now, so the difference in what Jesus is saying about these two builders has to do with the issue of foundation. Now, I have another picture for you. Let me show you the Space Needle. Space Needle in Cerro, Texas. This was an observation tower in Seattle, Washington. It's considered to be an icon of the city. It was built in 1962 for the World's Trade Fair and drew over 2.3 million visitors. Think about that, 2.3 million, back in 1962. Averaging 20,000 visitors a day during the event. It was built to withstand winds of up to 200 miles an hour. And it was also built to withstand an earthquake of up to the magnitude 9.0. Now, this is the real catch. When the complex was two-thirds completed, and they did an inspection, which they did on a periodical basis as they were building, they discovered large pockets of air in the foundation. Guess what they did? What did they do? After they discovered these pockets of air in the foundation of this building I just showed you, which was going to carry 20,000 people a day to the tune of 2.3 million people over a period of time, what do you think they did? They tied down. Did you hear what I just said? The building was two-thirds completed. But they had enough sense to recognize that if there was a compromise in the foundation, yeah. it's just a matter of time it will compromise the structure. What are you building on today, my friend? What are you building on? Are you building on a sure, tried foundation? Or have we come up with our own 
foundation. You see, the thing is, if our faith is based on an incorrect foundation or foundations with incorrect facts, the results can be drastic. The change that's happening all around all of us right now reveals the foundation that we're building on. Many of us are going through difficult times and needless pain because we've been building on faulty foundations. Psalms 11 verse 3 says, If the foundations be destroyed, how can the righteous stand? Now, you may ask me, what does a faulty foundation look like? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what a faulty foundation looks like. Many believers who want to have desires of their hearts by all means, including ungodly and crooked means. That's a faulty foundation. When you set your mind that I want to have, 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 and you do anything to do it, whether it's God or not, that is a faulty foundation. Ah, some of us falsify travel documents to travel abroad because we think that prosperity comes from abroad, not recognizing it comes from above. Many ministries are founded on the foundations of lies, deceit, love of money, and fame rather than the call of God. Business ventures that are built on fraudulent foundations ultimately will come down. How about courtships and relationships? Courtships and relationships built on fatal attraction rather than the will of God. It's just simply called lust. Amen? Now, let me move to the meat of this message now to really understand what Jesus was driving at. I'm going to make a statement. Please hear me out. Disobedience is unbelief. And belief is obedience. Now, why am, why am I interjecting this? Let, let me go back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Matthew 7. Okay, give me verse 25. Actually, good. Verse 24, I'm sorry. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears this, this sentence of mine and does them, Three words, and does them. Did you hear that? Not just a matter of hearing. Whoever hears these sayings of mine, and what? Does them. Another way of saying that is, whoever hears what I'm saying and believes them. Or, whoever hears what I'm saying and obeys. Huge. Huge. For a long time, we're trying to find the tension between grace and obedience, between hearing and obedience. What does this mean? Can I just obey God and use the obedience to earn God's favor? Jesus is onto something here. Whoever hears these sayings, everything I've taught you, if you hear them and you obey, you'll be like a man or a woman who is wise, who built the house on the rock. So, Jesus, what are you saying? Good. I gave you the phrase already. Disobedience is unbelief. And believing is obedience. 
First, let me define the dictionary definition of belief. Belief, if you look at the dictionary, means to have a firm, wholehearted conviction or persuasion. To accept something as, or something or someone as true. Again, let me say that again. To have a firm, wholehearted conviction or persuasion, or to accept something or someone as true. That is the dictionary definition of belief. But can I submit to you this morning that the biblical definition is different than that? And this is where we get hung. Because we are bringing the dictionary definition of belief into the scriptures. So I believe the word of God, which means I believe it's true. Okay, I believe it. I believe Jesus. Yeah, I know Jesus is the son of God. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. And, and we live it in that realm, in that intellectual realm, in that dictionary realm of believing, meaning I accept something. How does the Bible define it? Ah. Let me go to a couple of scriptures. Give me Numbers chapter 20, verses 10 through 12 in the NLT. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want the Bible to help you arrive at the biblical definition of the word believe. Numbers chapter 20, verse 10, NLT. Then he and Aaron, that's Moses, summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Verse 11. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Now, let, hold on right there. Yeah, okay, leave it at verse 12 and hold it. No, go to verse 12 and just hold it right there. Now, understand the context here. God has spoken to Moses. The people are thirsty, they need water, speak to the rock. That was the instruction. Speak to the rock. Moses heard it. Remember what Jesus said? If you hear these sayings of mine, and do them. Oh my God. When you hear these sayings of mine, and do it. Moses heard the instruction. What was the instruction? Speak to the rock. What did Moses do? He struck the rock. So for me and you, we will see that incident. How will we describe it? Moses was disobedient. Is that not, is that not correct? Guys, talk back to me. TV audience, devices, Facebook, YouTube, website. Talk to me. When you read that, God says, speak is struck. He disobeyed God. But look at God's comment on that, verse 12, Numbers 20, 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. Give it to me in the NKJ, NKJV. That verse 12. Thank you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron because you did not what? What did he say? How, did, how come he didn't say you disobeyed me? No. 
He did not say you disobeyed me. You see, disobedience is the manifestation of unbelief. Oh my God, I'm, I'm having a great time. I'm about to just fly away from here. You, you, you don't understand what I'm saying to you. Unbelief is the root. And the fruit that's growing out of this tree of unbelief is disobedience. So the moment Moses did not believe what God said, he disobeyed. Okay. James tells us better. Go to James chapter 2. I've got to make this point. Verses 20 through 26. Because I'll show you the Old Testament. Let's go to the New. I know you guys are New Covenant believers. You are grace walkers. Thank God for you. Amen and amen and amen. James chapter 2. But do you not, do you want to know of what, look, what, what, what is it? Or what? Foolish man. Ah, what did you see that word earlier? Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. He compares the wise and the who? The foolish. Oh man, you guys are not with me this morning. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 rather, Matthew chapter 7, compares the wise builder and the foolish builder. What was the difference? The wise man heard and obeyed. The foolish man heard and did not do anything. James comes now, years later, but do you want to know what? Oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? You can replace that word works there with the word obedience. Faith and obedience. You, can, you cannot have faith and don't obey. It's not possible. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll prove it further in a minute. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham, what? Believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And it was called the friend of God. On, please go on. And you see that a man is justified by works, or you can say by obedience, and not by faith only. Likewise, I mean, look at all these examples. These are men and women who believe something and did something with what would they believe. Likewise was not Rahab, the harlot also justified by works. Obedience. When she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the whole, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Making it plain. To hear Jesus and don't follow through in doing what he says is unbelief. And not only is it unbelief, your foundation is shaky. Your foundation is shaky. Ah, let, 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 me just, let, me just, let me just establish this point and I'm going to close. Uh, I'm, I'm not way down, but I, I need to do this. So Jesus was summing up this Sermon on the Mount by challenging his hearers to believe and not just believing, move from there into obedience. You may have heard this saying that says, right believing leads to right behaving. Yeah. 
Let me say that again. Right believing leads to right behaving. Right now, wherever you are, you are the product of what you believe. It's just that simple. Whatever you are not doing that you know is because you don't believe it. Forget about the mental assent. Forget that. If you're not doing it, you don't believe it yet. Look at Acts chapter 8. In the Amplified Classic, Acts chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. Acts chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. Watch this now. And as they continued along the way, they came to some water, and the Enoch exclaimed, Here, uh, see, here's water. What is to hinder my being baptized? And he ordered that the shadow be stopped, and both Philip and Enoch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. Okay? Let's go to Acts 16, verse 31. Oh, this is what I'm looking for. I was looking for. And they answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, please look at the definition of believing here. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in parenthesis, Amplified defines the belief for us. What does it mean to believe? To give yourself up to him. To take yourself out of your own keeping and entrust yourself into his keeping. Does that sound like just a mental ascent? Hello? No. There is no way you follow through and follow what we just read that you don't understand, that you just can't say mentally, I believe Jesus, and you, and you don't follow him. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not possible. It's not possible. Last scripture. I know time is gone. Let, let me throw this out to you. Easy believism is poisonous. Easy believism is poisonous. This notion, this idea, ah, I believe in Lord Jesus, but nothing changed in your life. You're joking. Yeah. It's a lie. Easy believism is poisonous. Hebrews 11. Chapter, no, yeah, Hebrews chapter 3, no, wow, what did I write in my notes? Hebrews chapter 3, let me, the last two verses, uh, verses 18 and 19, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Watch this. Give it to me in NKJV. Please. So this, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not what? Obey. Verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. Is it just me? Are you guys seeing what I'm saying? Do you see how these two verses connect the point we're making? Verse 18 says, they did not obey. 
Go back to verse 18, please. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest? But to those who did not obey. So the issue is obedience. But in verse 19, he defined the disobedience as what? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Disobedience is unbelief. So this is, this is the point. Believing without obedience is still unbelief. Believing without obedience is still unbelief. If you are going to build on a solid, sure foundation that's going to withstand Hurricane Ike and all the ebbs and flows of the changes that's taking place around us, you must build on a sure, solid foundation, which is hearing what Jesus says and doing it. And the ability to do is built in the hearing because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not something you work, at, work upon yourself. And I'm going to develop this next week. Amen? And so, Father, we just want to thank you. Thank you for our time this morning. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to see the, fund the, the foundation of your house. Thank you for helping us to evaluate our foundation, even right now. What have we been building on? Personal ambitions? Personal success? Uh, Chasing vanities, lying vanities, that is. Are we pursuing our own goals? Are we living for ourselves when we should be living for you? And so God help us to come to an honest evaluation of the true state of our building. Because as the one caveat that determines the assurance of the promises that you made to us. And so, Lord, we thank you. We bless you now. In Jesus' name. Amen.